Hey now, we are getting over, and I am the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, here to lead you through these hard times. With your WWE edition of your favorite professional wrestling podcast. That's right, getting over is back to talk all things WWE, SmackDown, Raw, and everything in between, as we're just one week out from Fastlane and five weeks away from WrestleMania 37. Boy, oh boy, is that going to be a topic of conversation on today's show. And we're going to start that show right now. No wasting time, no BS. Follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. Head on over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating and review. Let people know how much you love the show. And yeah, let's talk professional wrestling. No long intro today. I'm going to bring in my co-host, Vintage Chris Benini and Chris, my overall takeaway of WWE from this past week was we got two really good matches, one on SmackDown, one on Raw, but otherwise it was a wholly unspectacular week of TV. SmackDown was good, fine, like it normally is. I mean, normally it's good to great. This was good to fine, I would say, when you put the entire show together and grade it. Raw, though, was extremely slow. It was directionless with a lot of filler and repeats and rematches. The middle part of the show actively made me angry. It wasn't a bad show altogether, but it was not good. And it feels like WWE as a whole, it should be, I mean, the name of the pay-per-view is Fastlane, right? It should be on the Fastlane. It should be on the HOV lane, the carpool lane, to WrestleMania right now. It should be speeding down the highway. And instead, Chris, for me, it's stuck in a school zone right now. Everything seems to be going slow. There's only, what, two WrestleMania matches on the card right now. We're five weeks out from the biggest show of the year. I don't know what they're doing. I know plans change and Asuka's currently hurt. And, you know, some other things got flipped up in the air. Keith Lee is suddenly not available. We don't know why. And there's other strange things. But man, they aren't even booking matches for Fastlane, which is, you know, now a little over a week away, let alone WrestleMania in five weeks. So I don't know what the hell they're doing right now. But to me, it is seriously affecting my enjoyment of the product. Yeah, no, it's a mess. And and SmackDown wasn't great, but it was still one of those week weekends where you you wonder how. SmackDown and Raw are produced by the same company. Makes no it, sense. It, it like it, SmackDown, even when it's not great, there's generally a direction and you can see what they're trying to do. Raw, you know, there was no exploding ring, but there might as well have been. I mean, coming off of the, coming off the AEW pay-per-view and a lot of the WWE people actually taking some not so subtle shots at AEW for them to to follow up the next day with a a piss poor Raw was a uh, it, it was a rough couple of days for pro wrestling fans. It really was. And, you know, I can find positives on Raw because there were some, right? And you can make the argument as well that they showed some direction, but the direction that they're showing is repetitive and or stupid and or rushed. So there's so it's one thing if you're building on the road to WrestleMania and you are starting a storyline now because you needed something else to end and that's how it has to work. But they are doing things where they're just like suddenly announcing something like, you know, those number one contenders for the women's tag team titles that we've been wondering why they haven't had their match. We're going to give it to you in the third hour of the show. (laughs) We're not going to promote it at all. 
either before Raw began or during the show. Oh, and by the way, we're not going to have women on the first two hours of a three-hour Raw, right, where you have all this shit going down. So we're going to talk about all of it. We're going to break it down right now, and we're going to slide into the main event. And let's start, start off with, I guess, of the main event topics, the best one, which is really what's going down on SmackDown. Daniel Bryan, Roman Reigns, that storyline actually happening. We wanted it to happen at the beginning of January. Now we're at the beginning of March, two months later, and Daniel Bryan is feuding with Roman Reigns, and it's actually picked up in intensity. So Bryan opened the show with Michael Cole, and Cole's asking him in his ridiculous, overscripted way a question about... Daniel Bryan, why would you want a universal title match at Fastlane instead of tag teaming with Edge for a worthless main event at a B-level pay-per-view? Who the hell wouldn't? What wrestler in the company would not prefer a title match to just a tag team match in the main event of a pay-per-view? Bryan said he felt like a failure when Reigns squashed him and Edge made his WrestleMania decision basically on top of his body. He was sick of putting himself on the back burner for others. It was a good promo. Like Daniel Bryan was yep. going off. It was great. Reigns came out, tore Bryan down. Jey Uso, they were scheduled for a uh, steel cage match in the main event for a number one contendership. Jey Uso tried to attack Bryan, but he sidestepped him. The promos were strong from Bryan and Reigns in this long segment, but there was absolutely no mention of their history, let alone the fact that this would be a rematch of their battle at the exact same event in 2015. It's just another example, Chris, of WWE doing something well, but not allowing it to hit all of the feel spots it actually can. There's really no good reason not to draw back into their history for this. It feels like it's rushed. I don't want to say it feels like it's forced because they've been dropping hints of this storyline for the last few months, but for them to not go with it for WrestleMania and basically go with it for Fastlane. We'll explain how that's happening. They're not squeezing all the juice from a possible Roman Reigns-Daniel Bryan feud. And given the fact that Bryan said he's not going to be a full-time wrestler for much longer, this feels like the last opportunity for them to actually do that. Yeah, I think you nailed it when you said it feels rushed but not forced. Because they have been building to this. But then they gave it to us in a squash at the end of Elimination Chamber. And based on... But Michael Colson sounds like they wanted to do that tag team match instead uh, and, and instead changed their mind. And so now they got to pick it back up. It, I, I do wonder this next week or two leading into Fastlane, if they will get more into the history now. I think these last couple of weeks since the Elimination Chamber, they were trying to build reestablish up a, Brian. Yeah, yeah, reestablish him, give him a reason to get another title shot. So you have to do the Jey Uso stuff to, to get back into that. I, at least I hope I might be wrong. I mean, I mean, we got to see if they do it. I, I think it's possible they do it these next couple of weeks. I would trust Daniel Bryan to do something like that. But yeah, I, I think rushed but not forced is, is exactly the way to describe it. And honestly, it describes a lot of what's going on in WWE right now. So it's a great promo from Bryan. I, I love what we're getting. Um, it's it's yeah, you wish it could be a little bit more. But, you know, considering everything else going on, it, this is might be the best thing they, they have going right now. WWE does this all the time with Reigns. Like the two biggest matches that he could possibly be in, the three biggest matches that he could possibly be in over his career, right? Were Roman Reigns versus John Cena, Roman Reigns versus Dean Ambrose versus Seth Rollins, a shield yep. triple threat. 
and Roman Reigns versus Daniel Bryan. Those are, I mean, yeah, you can say the Lesnar stuff and, and you know, McIntyre now would be a really big match. But from a storyline career retrospective standpoint, those are the three big matches. And all three of those matches will have taken place on B-level pay-per-views basically thrown away. Yep. Now, that doesn't mean that there, there weren't, like, I think this will be a great match. Daniel Bryan, Roman Reigns. And the Roman Reigns, John Cena match was great. And the triple threat was very good. But none of these are being given the gravitas that they should because the preference for these big shows is Brock Lesnar or Edge or Goldberg, you know, or or The Undertaker. And it's doing this Roman Reigns character and Roman Reigns, Joe Annoy as a person, a massive disservice for his career because these should all be tentpole moments. And honestly, they're doing their fans a disservice too. So I'm enjoying this storyline and I'm not trying to crap on something I like just for the sake of crapping on it, but it is emblematic of the issues that WWE is having on this WrestleMania build. And like I said, I know there are some issues, especially on the Raw side where things have gone a little haywire, but this is not the Raw side. This is the SmackDown side. And it didn't need to be this way. That's my biggest issue. So let's move on from here. Reigns motivated Jay later in the show saying he'll embarrass himself and their family if he loses that steel cage main event. Jay was about to do an interview backstage when Brian attacked him from behind. Before the match, Corey Graves was in the ring and he was doing a full explanation about the steel cage match rules and and setting up the brutality of the structure. And I have to say, Chris, I when I first saw him in the ring with the lights, I thought, oh my God, this is going to be so corny. But I'll give credit where it's due. He did a really good job and it actually made the steel cage match on the main event feel like it was more important. They sold me, the viewer, let's make believe I was a casual viewer, on wanting to stay tuned through the end of the show because that match is a big deal. Here's why and here's what's on the line. Yeah, no, exactly. It was, Inspector's done a good job of this, whether it was an Intercontinental Championship match or something like that, they build up their main events to feel like a big deal. And they build them up throughout the show. It's like the complete opposite of what you get out of Raw. And the complete opposite. Yep. Yeah. And, and so it, I was excited for this match. I, I, I like the people in it. They gave me a reason to, to stay tuned and, and get ready for it. So, yeah, it's just another example of SmackDown just getting the basics of storytelling. Right. Right. Then we got the Steel Cage main event. Roman Reigns took a seat at ringside. Jay hit Brian with an avalanche Samoan drop and later a springboard splash for a pair of two counts. Brian battled Jay on the top turnbuckle, hit an avalanche butterfly suplex and got the yes lock in. Jay reached the rope, but there's no rope break in steel cage matches. And he eventually had to tap as Brian won. I thought it was a very good steel cage match, but I loved the finish with the non-rope break. Uh, Reigns was pissed and infuriated outside. Edge wasn't on the show at all. I thought that was interesting. It feels like there's a lot of momentum behind Daniel Bryan now, Chris. So we mentioned it last week. I think I proposed it. I'm not going to be surprised if they go Reigns, Edge, Daniel Bryan, triple threat at WrestleMania and don't do a one-on-one match, which again would give Edge the clearance to beat Bryan. So taking the title off Reigns without him losing it, then he could win it back from Edge, presumably a month or two down the line. I think that's going to be the booking. And I'm going into Fastlane right now, extremely excited for the Roman Reigns-Daniel Bryan match, but a little bothered that 
it's happening kind of the opposite way it should. Brian winning the Royal Rumble, then Edge could have butted in. You know, it, it seems like it's a little bit mixed up, but I will say, look, the promos are good. The matches are good. The storyline may not be great, but it is solid enough. So out of everything that's happening on the road to WrestleMania right now, both brands, every division, this is the one that they're getting the most right. Yep, hundred percent. And and not like I said, not everything's perfect, but you know where they're going. You know what they're trying to do. The promos are passionate. It's one of the few things going on where you believe the characters and in, in, in what's going on there. I love that finish of the match. I love the commentary was right on top of it immediately to say there's no rope breaks. There's no rope breaks. It doesn't matter. And right. the camera cuts right when he taps over to Roman who has no reaction. And it's just like that look of disappointment. Uh, just really well done by everybody involved in that key moment there. Yeah, we, we talked about it last week, I think. I mean, we would love a triple threat main event for this title match. All three guys are deserving. It would get huge love from everybody involved. I don't really know what else you do with Brian. Otherwise, do you throw him in, in some sort of intercontinental ladder match or something? I don't know. So... They've clearly changed what they plan to do for Fastlane in the Elimination Chamber multiple times over the last couple of weeks. I I, I got to think it's on the table that they change something up for, for WrestleMania too in this. Yeah, I would say it's it's disappointing that they didn't seem to have firm plans for WrestleMania. You want WrestleMania plans like November, December. Right. That's where you that's when you really not you as a fan, but you hope that WWE in November or December has strong plans for WrestleMania and can play out storylines to get there. And to their credit, many years they do. Now, I don't know if it was pandemic related or just the craziness of everything that's going on, not knowing who you're going to have, when you're going to have them. And because of that all year, having to change things on a dime. But it doesn't feel like even after the Royal Rumble, they knew what their WrestleMania plans were. Like, sure, you know, Edge, Roman Reigns became pretty clear and I, I was telling you about it. You know, I thought it should have been Drew McIntyre, but it did become clear that 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 would be the direction soon after the Royal Rumble. But it just didn't feel to me like in the Royal Rumble or the week after the Royal Rumble, they actually knew. Right. And, you know, that is an issue uh, when you're doing long, when you're asking for long term storytelling and you notice that when they do long term storytelling, generally it either succeeds or as a fan, you at least appreciate the effort, right? Uh, when you see the opposite, it's frustrating. And that's really what's happening on the Raw side. And, and, and so, this tie in this tie, real quick, and this also ties into... You killed the transition, Chris. I think, I know, I just want to get this in though. It kind of <laughs> ties okay. into AEW because with Chris, with Christian showing up there, you know, th- there's there was a theory going around that they were going to do Edge and Christian versus... Jay and Roman at one of these, and because they changed plans, maybe that's one reason Christian ended up at AEW. Because um, they used Christian a couple times. He shows up in the Rumble, and then just it all drops. It, it just a lot of stuff has changed these last couple of months, and I'm not really sure why. Because especially with the Dan and Brian Edge Roman Reigns stuff, there haven't been people missing or things changing. It feels like they changed what they wanted to do. For sure. Now, there's nothing more emblematic of this. You ruined my good transition. So I, I know. I'm making know. A, a second one here. Then the WWE Championship and the primary main event storyline on Raw. So Raw opened with a WWE title rematch, Bobby Lashley against The Miz. 
I got to say, Lashley looked good as hell with the title. Uh, he cut a really strong backstage promo for him. They didn't you know, use MVP as a crotch. It was all Lashley on the mic about overcoming adversity, this being his time. But man, it felt like a face promo, right? Like Bobby Lashley seems like a guy you want to cheer that he's the champion. So it is a little weird that he's a heel in this entire scenario. The Miz hit the ring and cut a solid promo as well, complaining about last week's events. And then Lashley got a massive entrance with new graphics packages, gold lighting, and and like flashing lights behind him, a video package showing highlights, which WWE never does anymore for entrances. They could have gone with more pyro, sure, but he looked like a million bucks. And then in the match, you can talk about all this together. This was the match, Chris, I thought they should have had last week. The Miz at least tried and fought. He got some offense in, not too much. But this would have been a way better way to put over Lashley as champion by handily beating a guy that's trying rather than capturing a coward who's trying to escape. Lashley won with the Hurt Lock. It was weird that they ran it back now when, again, Fastlane is just over a week away. You could have just had a WWE Championship rematch at Fastlane because I highly doubt they're going to get a new challenger for the pay-per-view. So if you're going to have Lashley defend the title, why don't do it on the big show rather than the opening segment of Raw? That I know they wanted to celebrate Lashley, but it just kind of felt like you saw him and then you never saw the brand new champion for the rest of the show. So I didn't really yes. love the way they did that. No, that, that's what I was going to say. It was so much of this was just weird. I, I mean, the match was better and a, be, a better match makes Lashley look better. You can't have him just squash him two times in a row. All that does is make Miz look like a chump. But to open it with to open the show with that and then never go back to them at all was baffling. I mean, they showed a highlight package in between AJ and Randy Orton's entrances for the main right. event, but we didn't see Lashley or MVP at all. This is your champion. He just why won the title. Where is why he? isn't Lashley sitting in a new VIP lounge backstage akin yeah. to akin to Roman Reigns, you know, area that if, he has. If you're, you're supposed watching, to make this, yeah. He should be watching Drew and Sheamus, and he should be watching Randy Orton and AJ Styles. Those should be the top four contenders for the WWE Championship at WrestleMania. He should be sitting there with MVP in the Hurt Business, drinking champagne, eating steak, big meaty men, the whole deal, and sit and evaluating who is going to come after the almighty Bobby Lashley. Instead, and, you see him at the beginning of the show. You never see him again. Yeah, and they should have several cut back to, to the VIP line several times throughout the, the show, and they're just celebrating Bobby Lashley. They got new people in there, her business in there. They're celebrating. Just It's an all-night celebration after he defended his title and won. Like, like it, it's, it, again, it's just completely baffling that you your champion shows up in the opening segment, and then that's it. If we're supposed to think he's going to be a big deal, if he's supposed to be a big deal for Drew McIntyre to take down at WrestleMania, if that's what happens, then we need to be told he's a big deal. I just I can't believe they they didn't do anything like that. I, I, I some other things I wrote down. I laughed at the Miz when he was recounting everything at, at the, in his opening promo that he was physically threatened uh, last week, which is just hilarious because this is professional wrestling and the entire thing is fighting. So the idea that he wouldn't like. Physical threats is is was hilarious, um, yeah, just strange. I, I mean, Lashley is awesome. We we love him. I'm just really surprised they didn't do more with him coming out of this. Just where where was he? Agreed. So while Lashley was a disappointment, I think what they did with Drew McIntyre and Sheamus 
There's some negatives, but it was largely a big success. So McIntyre cut a passionate promo backstage about having to go through Brock Lesnar and the Elimination Chamber to win and retain his title, while Lashley basically just got to beat The Miz. He asked where Lashley's balls were. Now, Lashley hasn't really done anything to show he doesn't have balls, but sure, okay, whatever. Uh, Sheamus then attacked McIntyre, threw him into road cases, and yelled about being in his shadow for 20 years. McIntyre demanded, again, that also doesn't make sense because Sheamus was in WWE winning the title and McIntyre was fired from the company. But okay, uh, McIntyre demanded a no disqualification match later from Adam Pierce and got it. So that was the bad stuff. The McIntyre promo was good, but the logic behind some of that was really rough. However, we got Drew McIntyre versus Sheamus second week in a row, this time in a no DQ match. Was it strange that they ran this back just seven days after these guys tore the house down last week? It was absolutely strange and it didn't make a lot of sense, but the match was fantastic. They used a kendo stick and McIntyre's back and Sheamus's back were all torn up. McIntyre hit a white Russian leg sweep. Shout out to the Sandman. Sheamus landed white noise, but McIntyre drilled the future shock DDT onto a chair for a near fall. Sheamus countered the Claymore by throwing a chair at McIntyre's head. I love that spot and hit a V trigger for a 2.5. Sheamus set up a chair between the turnbuckles, but McIntyre drove him into it and hit a claymore, but Sheamus fell outside the ring. Sheamus caught McIntyre with like one third of a bro kick when he went outside, and then they knocked each other out simultaneously, charging with steel steps around their heads. The referee checked on both men and neither responded, so he called it a no contest. It was a damn good match, and it was a damn fine piece of booking, I must say. I know what you guys think, that I'm gonna come on here and rail for them doing a no contest, but it made complete sense here. No hate. This is a blood feud. These two big meaty men, big meaty men slapping me. <laughs> going after each other for the second week in a row in a match that was four stars or better and beating the absolute hell out of each other and then knocking each other out. Was there maybe a little bit of a comedy aspect to it? Sure, but it was perfect. They gave a completely reasonable explanation for the match to be called. It sets up a clear third match, which we have to presume is going to be at fast lane for the number one contendership to the WWE title. I just thought it was really smart all around. Just please, for the love of all that is holy, Chris, do not go with last man standing again. It <laughs> seems like that's the direction considering they couldn't stand for the 10 count. Oh, but man. anything else except that falls count anywhere Empty arena match. Like you can, uh, something on a pole. Do anything else except another last man standing. But the match, the booking of the finish, I loved it. And Chris, I want to see more beef flying in the ring. Call it a peacock match or something like that. T- tie, it, tie it in with, uh, with the, with the pay per view being a peacock. Yeah, I, I, I this is a great match. These guys work great together. We enjoy seeing them beat the crap out of each other. The finish was... It, it, it felt like me and my brother when we were kids, like, putting something on our heads and running into each other. Like, you see those commercials of those giant uh, inflatable balls of people just bouncing off of each other. That's what it kind of felt like. Uh, it was kind of funny, but it, it worked. It was a great match. Honestly, you could have made this... You could have made this a number one contender match. Have Lashley paying attention to it. Give it the, the the double count out so they automatically get a rematch at Fastlane. Uh, yeah, I, I imagine that's where it's going to go. Just, yeah, don't do a last man standing match, please. We, we already had one of those recently, and actually it wasn't that bad. 
Except normally the they are. Yeah, normally they are in WWE. Uh, the, the Kevin Owens one was not bad. Um, it was one of it was one of the best last man standing matches. That yeah, I can remember. yeah. So, but yeah, we just saw it. They're usually not good. Do false count anywhere? I always prefer that. I, so we'll see. But it, yeah, this was this was probably the highlight of of Raw. It was the highlight of Raw for the second week in a row, and yep. credit to them for doing a great job in the match. So that is the main event uh, segment on Raw and SmackDown. Let's get to the third part of our main event segment, the women's division booking in WWE. And folks, I know it's been three or four weeks, maybe even longer at this point that I've been railing on this, but I have to mention it again. The entire division across SmackDown and Raw is in complete shambles. They have made so many missteps and created so much convoluted booking that we're just over a month out from WrestleMania. I can't stress this enough. And little of what's actually happening makes a shred of sense. Consider that two years ago, we were coming out of WWE Evolution, the first all-women's pay-per-view, setting up for the first women's main event of WrestleMania. Now, the entire division is being treated as bad and irrelevant as the mid-card and tag team divisions in WWE. It's almost like they didn't know what they were doing for the main event. So they spent so much time trying to figure that out that they said, okay, we got an hour left before show. Let's figure out what the women are going to do. It's pathetic and it's pissing me off at this point. Yeah, and I I think they tried to throw some stuff together in at the end, plus raw talk where they're trying to give you a sense of direction. And there was social media stuff coming, coming out of that. That's a, a social media campaign essentially coming out of raw talk. Uh, but it's, it's not, it's nonsense. So you, we already talked about uh, Lana and Naomi just getting their title shot now with no hype of any kind and, 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 and losing and going out. I just, I don't know what they're doing and I don't think they have a plan yet. And that, that's the biggest problem. It'd be one thing if they were if they were taking us through a story and it was just bad and we didn't like it. it, it there's no plan right now. And Asuka getting hurt is part of that, sure. But it's not like Asuka has been doing anything for months. You can't use that as an excuse. There's nothing else going on anywhere. Every week, it's like a different team pops up as as the big deal. We, we, we had the sexy muscle friends and then they just kind of faded away. The Riot, the Riot Squad, they kind of fade away. Uh, Lana and Naomi, and then they fade away. And now you've got Charlotte talking to the sexy muscle friends. Like she's runs the division and, and, she, and you have she them approves of, of who gets what, like what? And you have them wanting to go after the raw women's championship when they should be wanting to go after the tag team championship because they never actually got a legitimate opportunity, but yeah. And they say, they say their ambition just because they haven't asked for a tag team title shot. Doesn't mean they don't have ambition and a, I, I guess you can just ask for a title shot. I, I, I don't know. That, that whole segment was very weird. Uh, I don't, I don't, it's just, there's no plan right now. It's a mess. It's just, yeah, it's, a, that's the word. It is a complete mess. Even though you have a WrestleMania match booked, Sasha Banks against Bianca Belair, even that storyline is a complete mess. It doesn't make any sense. There's no real animosity between them. And Chris, what it seems like right now is that they're going to create animosity between Banks and Bel Air with the most typical, historic WWE, really all of wrestling, not just WWE, trope, which is 
a tag team being put together for no reason and then splitting and that being the reason that one person hates the other and you know one turns on the other or there's some major issue and that's how we're going to going to get on the road to WrestleMania. Well, it's like they already did the tag team thing too and and now they're looking at it moving forward. It's just it's it's nonsense. They, this goes this goes back to what we talked about with Dana Bryan and Roman Reigns stuff is that like none of this none of these changes have been there have been no outside forces that have changed this stuff outside of Oscar getting hurt, which is honestly a small part of this. All oh, it's, of these, it's a small part. Yeah. All, all of these problems and lack of direction and changing plans are completely self-inflicted decisions. It, 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 nothing's changed here. They've just decided to go in different directions for no reason. And they keep changing what they want to do. Yeah, you're completely right. They're unforced errors and the fault completely lies at the feet of WWE booking. There's no question about that. So Chris had to jump. He had some scheduling issues. Uh, we both did actually taping today's show. So I'm going to break down everything else myself. But first, we're going to finish up here with the women's division. Over on SmackDown, Carmella confronted Reginald backstage early, calling him a snake. He protested that he was doing it for her. She fired him and smacked the tray out of his hand with a prop champagne bottle that shattered in midair. I actually laughed at that. Then we got a match out of nowhere. Bianca Belair against Shayna Baszler. Sasha Banks came down. Reginald followed her before the match. Cole briefly mentioned the women's tag team title screw job in NXT, but there was no context given for it whatsoever. And then on Raw Monday night, they didn't mention it at all. So it's almost like that screw job that used Adam Pearce happened in a completely different universe than what's going down on SmackDown and Raw. I thought that was extremely strange and really insulting and a failure for WWE that should be trying to get some interest into NXT by saying that there's going to be a major announcement coming out of that this Wednesday on the show. Huge failure. Uh, Belair shoved Reginald into Nia Jax, who ran into Banks when Reginald ducked out of the way. Belair countered the Kirifuda clutch into the KOD for the win. She beat Shayna Baszler. Uh, Belair yelled at Banks after for letting Reginald get involved. Banks then slapped Reginald really hard and said to stay out of her business. This was one of those, oh, finally moments. Like, you know this isn't working. We talked last week. They needed to get Reginald the hell away from Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair, and they finally succeeded in this moment. Later, Reginald tried to apologize to Sasha, but she rejected him. Baszler tried to fight Reginald, but Jax saw some value in him and took him under her arm. We'll talk more about that soon when we get to Raw. Uh, The SmackDown booking wasn't as bad as some of the women's stuff has been recently, primarily because... They did take Reginald away from the feud. But the fact that they're again having Banks and Belair challenge for the tag team titles at Fastlane three weeks ahead of their match at WrestleMania makes no sense. There's no good reason whatsoever for it to be happening. It is just plainly ridiculous. Why should they care about those titles? And why are they getting another opportunity? It feels like it's going to be the typical Banks turns on Belair shit either because they lose or because she doesn't care about the match at all and just wants to get an upper hand on her. And that'll create a dumb storyline that we've seen a million times for the WrestleMania match versus doing something more unique and personal with arguably one of the best wrestlers in the world and arguably one of the top up-and-coming female wrestlers in the world. It makes no sense why they're going in this direction. And then it kind of makes all the sense in the world that they're going in this direction because WWE's women's booking right now is horrendous. Other stuff 
that happened on SmackDown. Bailey did a ding dong hello segment, reading sweet tweets instead of mean tweets like they do on Jimmy Kimmel. She got to a mean one and got really upset and walked back through her door. I don't really know what they're doing with this and where they're going with WrestleMania. You need her to be on WrestleMania. There, it would make no sense for Bailey to have the year that she's had and not have a big match on the show. You can't just not feature her. Now, I'm not trying to rush Becky Lynch back. But this was a segment about tweets. And you know that Becky, for lack of a better term, slays on Twitter, to use the parlance of our times. Even though I don't think it's likely, this could potentially be the direction because I don't really know who else currently on SmackDown or Raw it would make a lot of sense for Bailey to be in a feud with. Becky would really make the most sense. And for her to potentially return at WrestleMania, that'd be big. That'd get a lot of people interested in the show. So I'm not saying it's likely, but I do think it's at least somewhat possible. And lastly, from SmackDown, Natalia and Tamina complained to Adam Pearce about not being in the women's tag team title match at Fastlane, despite all of them having done is win two matches on TV. He brushed them away, but Sonya Deville showed that she disapproved of his decision. So there was something there. Now, moving over to Raw, it took until nearly 10.15, three-fourths of the way through the show, for there to be a women's segment, period, of any type. In that time, there were two Drew McIntyre and Sheamus segments. Those were good. It was valuable to have them. And four Braun Strowman and Shane McMahon segments. Then we get a women's tag team title match with Naomi and Lana that we've been waiting to see for weeks, completely unadvertised, as I said earlier, prior to the show or on Raw, despite them being number one contenders for over a month. Absolutely pathetic. Why didn't you just do this match at Fastlane? You need matches for the show. They're clear number one contenders. Build a little more storyline and have the match on the pay-per-view. But okay, women's tag team title match. The champions came down with Reginald. Naomi and Lana looked great, really, in matching Neon Green and did some tag team moves early in the match, showing that they were indeed a unit. Naomi hit a corkscrew plancha and looked ready to finish Jax when Reginald grabbed her boot. Lana tagged in and Jax crushed her into Naomi and hit the choke bomb for the win. Jax then carried Reginald on her shoulder all the way to the back. It was actually a relatively good match, surprising in some ways, but I hate that they just threw it away the way I said, and now they're giving Banks and Belair a title match at Fastlane. It just doesn't make any sense. I will also say that I like Reginald much better with Jax than I have in any other of his usages to this point. It feels more natural for some reason. And he would be a good reason for Jax and Baszler, an extremely strong tag team, to ultimately drop the titles if you can use him as an excuse. So that booking at least makes some sense to me. Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke then got to cut a promo backstage. I would say it was good, except it was so short that they didn't even get an opportunity to do anything. But what they did say is that they want a shot at the Raw Women's Championship at WrestleMania, and it should not be Charlotte Flair automatically getting it. So suddenly Charlotte comes in and says, they have five weeks to show her what they've got. Why would they have five weeks when WrestleMania is in five weeks? Why do they need to show Charlotte? She's not the champion. 
And why is WWE wasting time booking such an important title match for such a big show? The best thing the women did all week across both shows didn't happen on Raw or SmackDown. It happened on Raw Talk when Peyton Royce cut an absolute fire promo, which I cut because you need to hear it. Because I'm about to set one thing straight once and for all. Because I have been quiet. But closed mouths don't get paid. I'm not here to hide my talents. In fact, my talents are hidden behind the opinion of others. Why not just let me go? Just let me go and see what happens. You know, our Raw Women's Champion, Asuka, she's injured right now. And yes, that sucks for her. But when a talent goes down, a spot opens up. And that spot is massive. So why not me? Why does it always have to be the same old, same old? You know, I I packed up my life. I moved across the world. I set up in a completely different country with, with not much of a support system to chase this dream. To, to what? To get stuck in the locker room watching other women do what I do better than uh, 98% of them. And the other 2%. Well, I'd sure as hell give them a run for their money. It actually hurts. When you know deep in your soul you are destined to be where you are, striving for what you feel you deserve, my potential haunts me. When you're striving for something that you feel you really deserve, this is where I'm meant to be. And my patience has been running thin for quite some time. So stop wasting my time and give me Oscar. Our truth is funny to end that, but she absolutely crushed that. And I actually cut out a number of long pauses because, you know, I didn't want to take up an entire additional minute on the show, but it was even more dramatic than it sounds because there were some long pauses between some of those takes. But Peyton Royce killed that. K-I-L-T murdered that promo one of the top women's promos of the year, maybe the best to this point. It's amazing, folks, how wrestlers can get over when you give them an opportunity. Now, my concern about all of this is that the ultimate goal will be to make it look like Charlotte Flair has earned a title shot by beating all of these women, whether it's in a fatal four-way, fatal five-way, a gauntlet match, whatever the case might be. Now, they could swerve us. And make us think that that's the plan. That she's going to go down over Naomi and Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke and Peyton Royce. And she's going to be the number one contender. And they could swerve us and make it Peyton. Fun fact. There is no wrestler that Asuka has fought more in her entire career than Peyton Royce. It's the most consistent challenger that she's had. And it doesn't seem like that, but they fought all the time in NXT. So they know each other. And it would be a great elevation for Peyton Royce to go from the second hand of Lacey Evans in a storyline that we did not want to potentially fighting Asuka at WrestleMania. Now, 
Maybe I'm pushing ahead too much. I do think we know it's probably going to be Charlotte. It is WrestleMania after all. But given that promo, I hope she opens some eyes because she's way more than the second half of a tag team and she's way more than someone who should be getting forgotten about in WWE. And that's largely what's happened to Peyton Royce except for her short run with the Iconics after they returned following WrestleMania last year. They had a short run that was really, really good. But other than that, they've been largely wasted on the main roster. Billy Kay's doing really funny, good stuff on SmackDown. And now Peyton Royce has put her foot down and said, notice me on Raw. And I hope they actually did. Because that was great. There were also two more of the same video package for Rhea Ripley on Raw, the coming soon shit. Again, I, I wish they were doing vignettes to help unfamiliar fans get to know her, especially if you're not going to introduce her until after WrestleMania, instead of just airing this stuff repeatedly. That's another thing they could do, by the way. Fastlane could end. They could say they want a number one contenders match for the women, and Rhea Ripley could be a surprise entrant and beat everyone, and maybe that's what they do. But, uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, She should have debuted after the Royal Rumble, the day after, and she should have been elevated into a major match at WrestleMania. Instead, they just wasted this entire window of time with coming soon videos and Rhea Ripley not being on TV. And it's time that they can't get back. It's their fault. They're booking mistakes. So let's move over to what else went down on SmackDown and Raw. Uh, Seth Rollins was wearing a salmon jacket backstage. Okay, it was more of a fuchsia, but any chance we get to say salmon jacket here, we'll take it. And he said he wouldn't forget Cesaro rejecting his vision and trying to humiliate him with the swing. Murphy showed up. We haven't seen him in forever and said he wanted to help Rollins with the Cesaro situation, but Rollins refused to look at him and told him to get out of his sight. So we got Cesaro versus Murphy, which, I mean, holy shit, that's a match we want, right? In every way. Murphy had his first match in three months. Cole said it's been a few weeks. No, it has not been a few weeks. Rollins was on commentary. It was a really short match with Murphy barely getting in any offense, which is actually fair in this particular situation given there's zero momentum for him and Cesaro is being pushed hard. Cole literally called the submission finish of the match before it happened, a total botch and emblematic of a bad night for him. I know I've said emblematic three times today. I'll work on that. Nothing was gained here either for Rollins or Cesaro. It just largely felt like a waste of time. I did get a DM from Ryhausen at the Ryan Payne with a Y too. He said, I hate this. We spent what felt like forever with the story and the Mysterio family just to have Murphy sucking up to Rollins again, there better be a good excuse because that was hot garbage. I actually didn't mind that part of it. I can understand others not liking it. But the Mysterio storyline got dropped because the entire family apparently got COVID-19. It's a full three months after that. And it makes sense that if Murphy and Aaliyah broke up, he would be a shell of himself again, seeking Rollins' approval. Now, we'll see if they tell that story and we'll see if it continues, but I don't hate the idea of Murphy coming back with Rollins. This would not be the first time and it won't be the last time that something like that has happened in wrestling, where someone departs from someone and then they end up back together. So, you know, you always think the grass is greener on the other side and oftentimes it's not. Murphy needing Rollins' direction and vision is a totally legitimate thing that could happen. Moving on to one of the best things for the week, at least for me, Apollo Crews the continued elevation of his character. He got some African drums at the beginning of his theme. He came out with a spear and two black soldiers, the Nigerian elite guard. He said his roots 
uh, were hidden because he was afraid of being teased in school and disrespected in life. Cruz was so confident and smooth and badass on the mic. He used his full Nigerian accent. I would be curious to learn if he's been suppressing that accent during his career or whether he's reaching back to kind of find it after not ever really using it. He is a first-generation Nigerian, and he did live in Africa for a while. Cruz demanded another intercontinental title opportunity and ended a fantastic character-making segment. I said last week Nakamura never should have cut him off. This week, great. They let him go the entire way. I do wonder, though, what's happening with Nakamura because it did kind of feel like all three of them were going to be fighting, them plus Big E. There's two other things I want to say about this, one criticism and one fantasy booking. I do wish that Apollo Crews leaned into the Roman Reigns storyline and explained that as part of his promo, Roman told him he needed to embrace his roots. We can piece that together. But again, wrestling commentary and wrestlers, superstars, sometimes need to blatantly call out those things. Hey, the tribal chief taught me a lot. He told me to embrace my roots and I now feel like myself. I also want WWE to now... Bring back the King of the Ring. I mean, I've always want them to bring it back. I want one every year. But how much sense would it make for Apollo Crews, Nigerian prince, to win King of the Ring, trash that European-style crown, that garbage robe, and come up with his own version? He already has the scarf. Now give him an emerald jeweled crown or something like that. I would love to see them go in that direction with Apollo. So something I loved will transition to something I hated. Braun Strowman demanding an apology from Shane McMahon. R-Truth caught Strowman backstage and read an apology to him. It was a decent, somewhat funny segment outside of Braun's terrible acting. Strowman then hit the ring and called out Shane, said he wanted respect. He got angrier as he spoke. Shane walked up to Braun's face and immediately apologized. I'm like, all right, that's pretty good. He stopped on the ramp and couldn't decide whether to say more. I'm like, okay, that's pretty good too. Maybe he's going to call Braun out for being a loser. And a lot of the flaws that Braun actually has that management should be addressing with him and that fans call out all the time, but it's not part of kayfabe. That would be a pretty cool, realistic storyline for Braun Strowman. Instead, over an hour later, Shane finally decides to speak and called Strowman back out to the ring. Shane then left the ring when Braun entered because his mic was broken, which it actually wasn't. Shane said he's a bully and likes making fun of people, and that's okay. What happened to the Be A Star campaign? Then he took what felt like an hour to spit out the point. I couldn't tell if he lost his place or was acting. And I actually think it was acting, which makes it even worse. If he lost his place you can at least explain it away. Hey, you know, something shitty happened. It was a botch on live TV. Things happen when you do it live. But I think he was acting and trying to create suspense and play with Braun Strowman. And I think this entire angle is a takeoff of the angle that Shane had with Big Show back in like 2000, 21 years ago, when he like read him a children's book and teased him for being dumb. Two decades ago, I think they're calling back the same storyline. Shane made fun of Braun for being stupid and was breathing heavy into the mic with really long silences. And then he ran away into an SUV. When Strowman walked away from the SUV, he chased it down, couldn't find him. Shane then appeared out of nowhere 
and called Braun stupid once again. We all know this match is happening at WrestleMania, but this was horrible. I can't stress enough how terribly this entire thing was booked and written. Juvenile, silly. Why not have Shane call Braun out for being a monster yet always being a loser? For letting things distract him? For not having his head on straight? Why not create some semblance of a decent storyline based in reality instead of just calling the big strong guy stupid? It wasn't the disaster that we got at the end of AEW Revolution because this isn't the main event. But this easily would have been the worst thing in wrestling all week long and we're only two days in. So just like I did with the sparklers at AEW Revolution, I got to call this. Zero point zero. Zero point zero, Mr. Blutarski. Walk at zero. It only gets three of the six sound drops. It wasn't as bad as the Revolution thing, but it was really freaking bad. AJ Styles and Randy Orton wound up in a main event match out of nowhere. WWE aired a Fiend Orton Alexa Bliss video package. Styles backstage randomly started insulting Orton during an interview. So Orton stepped up and challenged him to a match. Orton was later told people were concerned about his well-being and he laughed that suddenly he has friends that care about him in WWE. Thought that was funny. Styles cut a second promo later that added nothing. Now the match was really strong. The action, the wrestling was really good between AJ Styles and Randy Orton. Styles got Orton in the calf crusher late, but Orton escaped. As he was preparing to hit the RKO, Amos pulled Styles out of the ring and Bliss appeared on screen with the pentagram jack-in-a-box. She turned it, whispered, not yet, and then blew out a match and suddenly fire erupted on the ring post before Orton began spitting out the black sludge again. Styles caught him blind with a phenomenal forearm and got the win. I don't really know why they continued the match. It was kind of unnecessary to do it, but okay. Maybe they're building Styles and it gives him a, them, him a win over Orton in some way. Uh, Bliss laughed manically afterward as Raw ended with Orton seething in the ring. I'll say, folks, I'm into the storyline. Like, Bray's been off TV. That's a positive. Bliss isn't really developing her character anymore, but she's kind of serving as this menacing, demented, schoolgirl type of deal. The Jack in the Box is a pretty smart way to bring him back where she'll eventually turn it and you assume the Fiend is going to pop up. I hope the Fiend looks different when he does return. It's not just the same guy. But we've known that they're building towards Orton Fiend at WrestleMania, hopefully in a Firefly Funhouse match. And this was as good as anything else they've done recently to build to it. So thumbs up from me. I know people won't like it. I did. So in terms of Raw's tag team division, WWE has New Day randomly getting a tag team title shot next week, despite not earning it in any way whatsoever. They announced the title match was happening before Xavier Woods and Shelton Benjamin fought, which they could have used that match to give New Day a reason for getting the title shot, considering Woods put Benjamin in a small package and got the win. But this was completely backwards booking and a really short, almost worthless match to boot. New Day was wearing some new Mortal Kombat-inspired tights with a unicorn instead of the dragon as a logo. That was a huge plus on the show. We also saw Riddle beat Slapjack in a non-title match. There was a funny interaction with New Day backstage and a hysterical interaction with New Day on social media. I retweeted it from the Getting Overcast uh, account. So make sure you go and watch that segment. It's very funny. Mustafa Ali was the only Retribution member who joined Slapjack at ringside for some reason. Who knows why? 
Riddle hit a final flash and Bro Derek to get the win. It seems like possibly due to Keith Lee's absence, the WWE either canceled or paused the Kofi Kingston feud with Mustafa Ali. We all want that to happen. So hopefully what they're doing right now with Ali and the tag team titles is just temporary to hold both over until WrestleMania. They're also doing Riddle versus Ali next week for the United States Championship on Raw. I don't know why that match and the Raw tag team title match are not on Fastlane, considering there's a pay-per-view six days later, but instead both are going to be on Raw. And at this point, neither title should change before WrestleMania. Um, Her business should be in a title match with a bunch of faces, and Riddle should be defending the US title at WrestleMania there would be like three title changes for the US championship if they actually switched it to Slapjack here, or sorry, to uh, Mustafa Ali here. So let's not go in that direction. Now the SmackDown tag team title picture. Montez Ford fought King Corbin. It was supposed to be a tag team match. And I was angry at the booking, just a rematch from last week when Corbin flipped the script. So credit for that. It was a good promo segment between the four with Sami Zayn complaining about a conspiracy. Ford got distracted by Zayn and the camera crew and he ate end of days for the loss. Then the second match, we got Sami Zayn versus Angelo Dawkins. Zayn demanded Corbin's help, but he got pushed into Corbin and left on his own. Ford played for the documentary crew, distracting Zayn and giving Dawkins the opportunity for a roll-up win. It was a good segment overall, but Dawkins should have won with his finisher that he hit, the double underhook, uh, swinging neckbreaker, I think is what he does. I don't know why you would protect Zayn, but not protect Ford, especially when it seems like Street Profits are going to ultimately get a tag team title rematch at some point soon. Sammy accused one of the cameramen of being a spy and attacked him. And then also on social media, there was an incredible video with unseen footage from Sammy Zayn's documentary showing him basically complaining about this guy that he kicked out of the camera crew. So again, kind of wasted opportunities to have good stuff on Raw with this and the New Day Riddle interaction. And some confusion here as to why this is booked the way it's being booked and why we barely saw the Dirty Dogs on television once again, despite them just winning the title two weeks ago. Also on SmackDown, Chad Gable fought Dominic Mysterio. Dominic looked like a creamsicle. Uh, Gable hit a great Tiger suplex, but Dominic wrapped him in a pinning combination for the win. Uh, Ray attacked Otis immediately after the match. Gable helped Dominic look great here. You knew Gable wouldn't win, but man, I'm going to keep holding out hope for him. Like He's putting in great work with Dominic here. And it's a, it was a really mat wrestling technical type of match. It really should have been a situation where Gable got the win. There was another funny spot where Red headbutted the camera by accident. But, you know, it's a low card tag team feud at this point. So what else are you going to get? And last but not least, over on Raw, it looks like this guy, Kevin Patrick, has replaced Charlie Caruso as the main correspondent host for the show. He's Irish. Uh, We don't know if Charlie's gone for good. They haven't made any announcement like that, but it would be a damn shame because she was incredible and they've lost so many great backstage people recently, three women over the last year, year and a half, obviously Renee Young being one of those. So if Charlie's gone, it's a disappointment. They do recruit well for those positions. And I got to give Kevin Patrick a lot of credit because he was thrown right into Raw Talk. He had to deal with our truth. He had to deal with New Day acting a fool. And he just hung right in there and did a fantastic job on Raw Talk. So, so far, so good for him to start that way. You got to give the guy a lot of credit. So that's really it for today's show. I know that we had promised 
last week and the week before that we were going to do our projected WrestleMania cards, but circumstances have prevailed and just not allowed us to schedule enough time really with Chris this week to be able to do it. Last week, we had other more pressing items to discuss. We also owe you a review of Young Rock as we promised, but you will get that sooner than later. I guarantee it. As far as what's coming up on the show and what we're going to do going forward, we will be back on Thursday with another NXT and AEW episode. On that show, we'll discuss the NXT UK women's match, Kaylee Ray against Maiko Satomura that I got to see last week and was absolutely fantastic. We'll cover it on that show. We're also going to talk about a huge episode of NXT that has two major title matches, Adam Cole against champion Finn Balor and Tony Storm against champion Io Shirai, along with two major announcements coming from William Regal, one of which I expect to be women's tag team titles. The other one could be NXT moving to Tuesdays. It could be an NXT takeover for WrestleMania week. I'm not exactly sure. But those announcements and those two matches are going to be a huge for what is supposed to be an extremely strong episode of NXT. And then over for AEW, we have the fallout from Revolution, and we're going to see what storylines they start to get going for their next pay-per-view, Double or Nothing, as well as how they handle the disaster finish to what was otherwise a fantastic main event for that show. So coming out of that episode Thursday, next week on Tuesday, we will have the WWE Fastlane Ultimate Preview on that show. We will also project our WrestleMania card. We will again have another NXT and AEW episode that Thursday. And then we will have instant analysis of WWE Fastlane, not this Sunday, but next Sunday. Now, if something happens where there's good reason for us to do an additional show after SmackDown, we'll do it. But we've been saying that for three or four months now, and that has not come to fruition. So I don't think it's going to this time either. So with that, the Silver King is going to bid you adieu. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. It is very important that you follow us there. Do not forget to head on over to Apple Podcasts, drop a five-star rating and review to let people know how much you love the show and help us grow during the busiest time of the year. And as I mentioned on that AEW Revolution Instant Analysis, we have a sponsor coming soon to the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast. So keep a lookout for that and do not forget to support them when the time comes. That's it. The Silver King's done. Riding solo here to the finish. So with that, I'm going to leave you with just three final words. Bye for now.